It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. Oh, welcome in to the Take Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Whitefield. We got my man Stephen O'Rourke right here. Steve, it's week five. Or no, week six. What am I talking week six. about? Six. We're through week five. We're into the bye weeks. Um, even though I feel pretty good, I look terrible. I've got a <laughs> black eye, some bruising, and you know, the struggle of of jujitsu on the side, I guess, is is the problem. But like literally my entire face is like yellow right here and like over here. Yeah. Anyways. That recovery time goes down when the sleep goes down. Yeah. Or the, I should say recovery time goes up. As sleep goes down. Yeah. I legit had a black eye like the last two days. It's just kind of, it's finally dwindling. But this, you can see my eyelid here is droopy. For those of you watching on YouTube, if you want to see a a battered face, you can just check. (laughs) Yeah, Um, you can kind of see the swelling underneath your eye a little bit. Yeah. Just drinking my Cortado real quick, you know, getting the getting the fuel in before we f- hit this hard. Steve, how are you doing flowing. today? I'm doing great. I um, I went to the doctor, got my physical, my yearly physical this morning. Uh, you a yearly physical? Yeah. How old are you? Listen, uh, how old am I? 29. You're 29, and you do a yearly physical. I'm 36, and I do not. I'm, Listen, that might be a problem. It, it's the uh, the perk or the whatever you want to call it of of being married to a nurse practitioner oh true true so i'm not going to get away with not doing it I feel especially it. especially because you know every every family has their own medical history but she knows my family's medical history and she's like you need to keep tabs on that so oh. it's the it's okay. nice because it, i know that someone's looking out for me but it's paying the butt when i wake up this morning and i'm like i really don't want to go to the doctor right now do they do they still do the hernia check as a as a young young non athletic man? <laughs> Whoa! What is that? Well, no. <laughs> what is that? I didn't didn't mean to shoot a bullet. <laughs> I just meant a young man who doesn't compete in athletics. Officially. They didn't they didn't do it for me. Um, <laughs> I don't think I haven't had it done. I don't know if it's just because I had it surgically repaired when I was eight. You had a hernia. Yeah, when I was like eight years old. I don't, oh, know wow. just, I don't know if I was just like cranking out weights when I was young, but yeah. Doing those heavy calisthenics. <laughs> yeah, I was doing, you know, a bunch of a bunch of deadlifts and whatnot, and it really just burst open. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, <laughs> hopefully the physical went good, Steve. Uh let's jump into some NFL news. Steve, this year, I, I don't I, maybe we say this every year, but doesn't it feel like it's just brutal when it comes to injuries? Like Oh it does. My. It really does. And Every you're right. I'm shocked by the names that are going on IR. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. And I, and I think that's the thing is it feels like more guys. It's I feel like we usually we get a lot of ticky tack injuries. Guys will miss a week here and there. But this year it feels like there is a lot more bigger name guys that are dropping onto IR. Maybe yeah. that's where the perception is coming from. Cause I feel the same way where it's like, my goodness, every week, you know. Tuesday, Wednesday rolls around and it's two or three more guys are dropped onto the IR that are, you know, difference makers on a team. Yeah, high high level guys. Justin Jefferson being the the premier one this week. 
Um, there's others as well, but do you think possibly teams are utilizing the new newish IR rules to their advantage or they figured out how to do that more? I think so. I think that's the biggest thing is that, you know, it used to be you, IR was absolute last resort, but now yeah. I think it's just like, okay, you know, depending on where your team is and how competitive you are, it's like, well, you might as well just take the four to six weeks and just let's just focus on getting them completely healthy instead of doing the, the rigmarole of like, you know, these guys are competitors. They want to get back out on the field. Yeah. And, you know, if you give them the option, a lot of times they'll probably press and push to get back earlier. But now with this, it's like, okay, we know you're gone for that yeah. time. So just focus on, we'll focus get on getting roster. you healthy. To get the roster. That too. And the, the flexibility with the return date is, I think, really intriguing to teams. Yeah. So you get It's mandatory four sit, but then you get three additional weeks before you have to activate a guy, like once yeah. you return him to practice. So, you know, you're you're buying yourself some time there. I think teams are using it on any like where most players where they know it's an it's a for sure two week plus endeavor. Like even if it's not a full four weeks, so like, hey, we're we know for sure he's gonna be gone for three weeks, for example. We're yep. just gonna put him on IR. We're gonna we'll have to sit an extra week, but he'll come back healthy. You know, we'll we'll have the practice window to get him get him ready to go and boom. I think I think it's kind of smart. Um, I think so too. Yeah, it, the thing with Jefferson, the the unspoken thing, and I know somebody Schefter maybe or Rappaport tweeted about this, but the Vikings suck, Steve. And if you're Justin Jefferson, why would you come back? Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, the one score regression hit them heavy and hard and fast this year. It you know we all we talked about it constantly last year, but it's really coming to fruition this year where, you know, you can't have, you can't be the luck of the Irish 24 seven. It's just not the way the NFL goes, but it's just, you're right. Like, especially with a guy that is coming up on getting a contract and all, and you know, just the nature of the progression of his career. It's like, why would you jeopardize a long-term health or whatever for, you know, a couple games or even, you know, most of the season for a team that I think you can pretty much rule out that they're going to be competitive or even like close to a playoff team. Yep. All right, let's move Two truths and a lie. Steve, this is a new thing we're going to do instead of, instead of things I like, we're going to do two truths and a lie. And Steve, you're up first. Have you prepared for this? I ha- I, yes, I have them prepared. Are right. you ready? Yes, and I want you to stare right into the camera as you read these, so I can so I can see your poker face. All right, no, I'm kidding. You don't have to do that. <laughs> All right, here we go. Um, I've broken my nose three times. I've seen a Lions game at, at Pontiac Stadium, and I've, or I've been to forty of the fifty of the United States. Oh my God! I have no idea. Wow. Can you can you lift your glasses up for a sec? wow i mean it's always weird looking at myself without glasses what is that called when they fix your your, is it called a rhinoplasty septoplasty septoplasty oh well the fact that you know that's not not uh yeah but that's for a deviated that's for a deviated septum oh okay hmm i have a deviated septum oh man i don't know dude this is tough they're so they're so down the barrel like there's no like and you didn't waver at all when you said them (laughs) I'm going to say 
here's the thing i've traveled a lot in my day like a lot and i haven't been i don't think i've been to 40 states maybe i have but that's a very hard thing to do so i'm gonna i'm gonna call that as your lie you haven't been to 40 states i have been i haven't seen a lions game at pontiac stadium i've seen i've seen a state championship game at pontiac stadium but never a lions game there oh wow I remember going to the Pontiac Silverdome when I was a little kid and uh, as a seven-year-old just witnessing the most brutal fistfights of all time. That's <laughs> what happened at the Pontiac Silverdome. That's what it was known for. That's what it was known for. Chicago Bears fans would come in and then they'd just be on. <laughs> Fandom back then, wow. back when there were le- oh, there were fewer rules, man, it was... It was yeah. Not, it was, before, before you had to fear getting sued, you know, you just yeah. get away with sucker punching a guy. Crazy, no fun. Um, what ten states haven't you been to? Do you know off the top of your head? Um, Hawaii, Alaska. Arkansas. I feel like those are most people's lists. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's pretty standard. You haven't been it's to like Arkansas? Like, no. Really, Arkansas is a great spot to play golf. Yeah, never been. It, yeah, so it's I think it's Arkansas. Um, Hawaii, Alaska, Wyoming, Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota. So you haven't been to Yellowstone? <laughs> no, I haven't. I have not been to Yellowstone yet. And then I think, and then I think Oregon and Washington. And then there's one more that I can't think of off the top of my head. Nice. We had some overlap there. Most most of that was overlap actually. Um, I haven't been to Hawaii, Alaska, Wyoming, Montana, that whole, that whole area up there. Uh, I want to though. That's on my, my short-term list for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. I want to go to Alaska your, really bad. You've broken your nose three times. Yeah. Are you like an MMA fighter behind the scenes or like what's going on there? Um, one was a skiing accident when I was in sixth grade. I, um, oh. I got dared to go full speed off of the biggest jump. And I said, yeah, why not? And it didn't go well, <laughs> um, clearly. And then I broke my nose twice playing rugby. Oh, I forgot you played rugby. Yeah. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Um, nice. All right, cool. Well, uh, we'll keep that going. I'll do I'll do my three next week, and uh, we'll see if Steve can get it right. I obviously failed today, but that's okay. Um, all right, Steve, let's move into uh, a, a NFL-related segment here. Um, I want to, we're kind of, we're five weeks in, we're, we're at the quarter point, at least for most teams. Some teams have only played four games, but that's okay. Yep. Basically an old quarter point. So um, I want to take a, an appraisal of the NFL standings. And uh, yeah, let, I think we just go division by division and kind of look at where it's at. Let me actually pull the standings up before I try to do a segment on the standings. <laughs> That'd probably be helpful. And then... <laughs> Let's start. Let's go with the AFC. Let's start in the AFC East. Let's let's talk this out. Let's see how we're feeling. Uh, I don't want to do too much schedule looking ahead. We'll kind of just do uh, an accounting of what's happened so far. Yeah, we'll just take a little bit of stock. Uh, yeah, and I know I know the AFC East especially. Have, they all all four teams have tough schedules going forward, so we don't really need to dive into that too much. Uh, but Miami is currently the the front runner, four and one. Um, there's a, these two really smart guys on the show called Take Talk that may or may not have predicted that that would be a thing. Um, yeah. Now, I, I was a little heavier on Miami than you to start the season. You obviously picked Buffalo to win the Super Bowl, but we both agreed that Miami was a contender this year. 
Yeah. Um, and they they current they look like well, they look like one in three of the five games. One game they lost pretty badly to Buffalo. Ironically. Yeah. And then the other one that was just a really sloppy win. But anyways, four and one. They look great. The offense obviously is insanely high powered. Um I know we've talked a lot about their scheme and the things they do. Yeah. It's special though. Do you think they're going to hold on to that division lead for the rest of the season, or do you think Buffalo is going to come get them? It's only a one-game lead right now. Right. Um, right now, I honestly think that if I had to pick, I would. I think I'd pick Miami to take it the, to win the division and hold on to this, just because from a week-to-week basis, there's so much game planning that goes on, and not so much looking ahead. But it's just it's not as intensive as like playoff game planning and i just think that they're a team that they can catch people off guard they like a team needs to really come in and have their own offense coming and i just don't know how many teams are going to be able to match that week over week and i think that buffalo has you know they obviously have a very good team but they have some chinks in the armor and they're they just have a little bit more deficit on offense that you can exploit whereas miami it's a lot obviously it's a lot tougher to scheme against them to, you know, win a, a week over week game to have your offense humming enough to keep up with them. I just think that over the course of the year, they're going to continue to catch teams off guard. They're going to continue to jump out to an early lead and make it tough for a team to come back. And I think that that'll hold true for most of the season. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, Josh Allen's play, I would say over the last, what, 12 NFL weeks, it's just been really up and down. Like you have games like against Miami where he's just dialed in, goes nuclear, but then he's had a lot of games where you can make the argument he's actually cost the team. And uh, week one was a case of that. Yeah, This past week against the Jags, I think you could argue that in the, the crucial moments, Allen didn't make the plays needed, missed some guys, threw an untimely pick earlier in that game. I just... I don't know that that concerns me. I think Mike McDaniel is a stabilizing force for that offense. That even when Tua is not feeling it, McDaniel's good enough to scheme through that. Where I don't think Buffalo has that play caller at their disposal at their at their disposal anymore. Wow, English is hard. And um, the big thing the big thing is is that with Miami, they can lean on their run game heavily. If Tua is not having a good game, they have so many assets and abilities within the run game that they can make up for that. This week, you saw it, especially with Buffalo, you can shut down their run game and you can make them a one-dimensional team pretty quickly. And that, you know, it just, because of the way Josh Allen plays, it just opens up, opens it up to him, him making a mistake at some point that allows you to take advantage of it. With Miami, you're just, I don't know, like Tua doesn't make a ton of mistakes, which is great to his credit. And you're yeah. just not like, it's not as much of a, deficit when one aspect gets kind of shut down a little bit for sure um all right let's look at the nfc or sorry the afc north we have pittsburgh and baltimore in a a tie for first place right now which is crazy because pittsburgh's been objectively bad this season um cleveland's sitting there at two and two as well so they they i would say they're obviously in the mix um this whole division's tight, though, kind of like we thought it would be. Four yeah. pretty good teams. Um, I think Baltimore's been better than I thought they would be, and I think Pittsburgh has been worse than I thought they would be. Yeah. I mean, Pittsburgh has a minus 31-point differential right now. <laughs> and they're 3-2. and two. What? That is crazy. And, you know, if 
we didn't keep five, if we didn't keep score, <laughs> they lost last week too. Like they they have no business being three and two right now. But here they are. Their defense is going to keep them in games, and I think that's I you know I kind of alluded to that, and we both talked about it when we were doing our preview episode that that's what their defense is going to do. They have a fast, tough defense that is going to keep them in games. Now, I did not expect their offense to be as listless as it's been. I thought the second half of last week, you saw a little bit of life. I think that some of their personnel usage in the second half allowed them to, you know, score some points. And I hope that they carry that forward. But man, Kenny Pickett is tough right now. And that's good. It's their Achilles heel. Assuming you're not looking at it, where do you think Kenny Pickett ranks in completion percentage over expectation? Out of out of uh, uh, 34 qualifying quarterbacks, where do you think he's? He's probably. I mean, he's probably 31, 32. He is 34th, actually. He's 34th. <laughs> and the gap, the gap between him and the guy ahead of him, is larger than the gap from let's see 30th to 25th no so his he's at minus 9.2 percent completion percentage over expectation and i'll even push back i know there's been moments lately where it's like oh they're getting things going they're really not they're just george pickens is making crazy plays like last game their entire offense was a what a 70 yard play to pickens the couple weeks before was the same thing (laughs) So Jalen Warren popped a little bit. I think they need to use him more. He had a, he had a little bit of juice there in the second half that kind of helped him keep a couple drives moving, but in the past game, especially. Yeah. But um, they do get Deontay Johnson back here soonish, which hopefully will provide the team with a little bit more playmaking ability. Cause right now outside of Pickens, you're right. They have little to nothing. Yeah, they do. Their usage, um, their usage of like Fryermuth has been b- bad. Yeah, yeah, it's just kind of a well. Pickens just he can't or Pickett Pickett can't get the ball outside the numbers. It seems like it's pretty bad. So yeah, um, Baltimore on the other hand, they've been a mixed bag as well. I think like their receivers. <laughs> It's the best receiving core Lamar's obviously had, but they are leaving a lot of meat on the bone. Lamar probably yeah. played his best game as a passer last week. He was unbelievable, some of the throws he was making, and he had seven drops. He should have had 400 yards passing. And at yeah, least. like a five TD game probably enough, probably yeah. four TDs, but still. I mean, it was it was rough, rough for, for Lamar in that that offense. And not because of Lamar. Uh they're they're winning in spite of you know what's going on with everybody else so i don't know and this defense i'm not a huge it's gettable it's gettable you can get this defense so they just they don't have much of a pass rush yeah they don't have much of a pass rush their secondaries okay they got humphrey back which hopefully will bolster it a little bit going forward but yeah it just it is they're gettable they're i mean their best position group is their linebackers and you know for a lot of nfl teams if that's your best position group, you're probably not going to have that great of a defense, unfortunately. Yeah, for sure. We uh, They have a negative pressure rate over expectation. And 
their pressure rate in general is like 24th out of 32. But when you look at it compared to the situations they've been in, um, not great. Not great at all. Yeah. So. yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we have to talk about all four of these teams, I think, because Cleveland has an elite defense. Um, yeah. They are. They have shown some warts defending the run, though. Same issues they've had the last couple of years. Yep. Um, if you're going to beat them, uh, a robust run scheme will get it done, it seems like. And Deshaun Watson's just not playing good enough football to overcome when the defense gives up points. Uh, it's kind of crazy, actually. Well, yeah, one, I mean, to be fair, one of their losses was with DTR at, at quarterback. So, right. But which that was its own issue. I mean, to not even scheme that offense to help him along the way was yeah. pretty crazy. To just like, I mean, I get it. Like, you want to see him perform at your full offensive scheme and everything and see what you've got and all that. But they did not help him in any way, shape or form when it came to play calling and scheming uh, things up for him. And I mean, it showed he looked, he looked lost out there for most of the game, but you know, like they, I mean, they have their own issues with what in the world is going on with Deshaun Watson on the side. I don't even know. There's been so many weird reports out there of like what's going on with him, but even if Watson does play, he doesn't He doesn't look like he did when he was younger, which I think that a lot of people were worried about that. And it's almost like taking a year plus off of football for personal and your own reasons. Um, it's almost like that affects a guy. And it's almost like maybe having to be in a, in a building and playing consistently is beneficial to a, to a player. Yep. Um, and then lastly, the Bengals, uh, Burrow seemed to <laughs> overcome what was ailing him last week. Is that going to be something that stays, though? Other than that game last week, he's looked pretty terrible and can't really blame him with the injuries got going on. It just makes you wonder why the Bengals forced him or allowed him to play through that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we talked about it. I think like Edwin, our in-house doctor talked about it of like how that calf is going to would affect him and it's shown true i'm interested to see what it looks like over the next couple of weeks because jamar chase isn't going to be able to line up against marco wilson every week which you know that's t- it's going to get tougher <laughs> yes. but i yeah the, i mean their defense still looks good they've been consistent it's just can burrow overcome this and you know start to you know land some of those deep balls that he was hitting last week and can it continue to carry through and i just i hope that he's able to recover fully it's one of those things where it's like if you're playing every week practicing every week are you ever going to be able to get back to 100 percent? because the odds of you aggravating it not getting it back fully healthy are so much higher than it recovering during all during playing and everything so i think that these next couple weeks as they face some tougher defenses, is going to rain pretty true. Like this week against Seattle, I think is a pretty big game for them. I think that being able to match up against that secondary and see what he can actually do. And they, obviously they don't have an amazing pass rush, so it's not going to be as detrimental there. But being able to match up against that secondary and have to hit a little bit more tighter window throws, I'm interested to see how that works out for him this week. Yeah, you wouldn't think the Seattle Seahawks have a good pass rush, but they're actually like pretty high in pressure rate, and they're really high in pressure rate over expectation. So, is that what if you take away that uh, New York Giants game, though? True, I didn't, I didn't take that away from the same. <laughs> that definitely, 
inflates their numbers a little bit, I'm sure. <clears throat> All right, let's move on to the AFC South. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time here, even though I think on paper this division looks kind of tight. I do think Jacksonville and the way they're playing, they're primed to kind of start to run away with this division. Um, it started rough for them. We've we've been calling at fantasy points that Lawrence was going to have a, a positive regression incoming, and it's starting to happen. We're not quite hundred percent there yet. He's still getting some untimely drops from his receivers, but everything is starting to stack up. They've they've now put two wins in a row together, two impressive wins at that. Yeah, Taking up the Buffalo Bills as one of those wins. Um, I kind of just think, especially as they get into more division play here, that they're going to start running away with this division. Um, I think Indy's been a really nice – Houston, too, has been a really nice story. Both yeah. those overperformed expectations. Both those rookie quarterbacks have looked good. Richardson going to IR for probably eight weeks is not good. And then Houston, they just have an, enough holes where I'm not confident they're going to be a, a true contender in this division. Yeah. So for me, yeah. it's Jacksonville front runner, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that – like you said, I think the drops are going to start to correct the correct themselves. And, you know, I think they they've started to integrate Christian Kirk a little bit more into the passing game. And you've seen that help get Lawrence in a rhythm and get that team in a rhythm in general. Um, the run, I mean, the run game popped off last week. If that can get going, that obviously opens up how, how their offense plays a lot more. Uh, just, yeah, I think the Jaguars are just a solid team. And like you said, I think that the Colts with Minshew, the wheel, not that the wheels are going to completely fall off, but Minshew is a, not a starting quarterback for a reason. And I think that that's going to show at some point during these next eight weeks. And yeah, the Texans are just a young team. And I think that, you know, the, it's not about being competitive this year anyway. It's about what you have in Stroud and what you have in that young group and all of that. And it's more of a, you know, three year, four year plan than it is a go and compete this year. And, the Titans are a scrappy team. Then we all we knew that we said it from the beginning, and they're going to continue to do that. They're going to get some some ugly wins here and there, but I don't think they're going to contend for anything. The AFC West, Steve, uh, Kansas City, way out ahead. The Chargers once again have disappointed the masses. <laughs> um, this time it's the defense, though. The offense has looked a lot better this year. They're getting Austin Eckler back. I'm not sure how much that moves the needle. But uh, it's it's a Kansas City division. Uh, obviously, Las Vegas isn't very good. Denver's awful. So I think we can absolutely yeah. keep those two teams back. I don't see the Chargers catching the Chiefs at all. But maybe if they can – the Chargers have won two in a row now. Maybe they can get it, keep it going and push for one of those wild card slots in the AFC. Yeah, the biggest. I think the biggest thing for the Chargers is keeping that pass rush going. That's what's helped them drive them to those last two wins. And you saw Khalil Mack finally show a little bit of life against the Raiders. And I think overall, that's what their defense needs is they need a pass rush and they need it to be consistent because they have de- they have a decent secondary. But you've seen that when quarterbacks have a lot of time to throw against them, guys are getting open. Yep, because they play. It's and it's because they play that very soft zone coverage that Brandon Saley loves to drop back into because of that. If you're not on it, if you're not on the quarterback quickly, they have gaps and they have holes that you can, that you can exploit in their secondary. Yeah. And one of the issues too, is when you're playing that kind of defense, you have to be great tacklers and you have to have corners with really good click and close ability. They see it, they diagnose it, they, they jump on the ball. Now that doesn't mean you're going to get a lot of PBUs necessarily, but the idea is that you're going to make those tackles right when the you know pass catcher's catching the ball, and right. Michael Davis just isn't really doing it. J- uh, Josser Taylor, you know he's 
he's a nice story, six round pick last year, but he's he's not really doing it. Asante Samuels, they're really lone good corner right now. Safeties aren't playing well. Linebackers aren't playing well. It's just kind of a mess. Yeah. So, um, Chiefs, they despite just crazy issues on their offense. <laughs> like honestly, it's it's pretty wild. They have a rotating cast of like eight freaking receivers. The two guys they play more than anybody, Martez Valdez, Scantling, and Sky Moore, are the least productive receivers in the entire NFL, actually, on a snap-for-snap basis. Meanwhile, you've got guys like Rashi Rice and Justin Watson on the bench who, when they're on the field, they're making crap happen. I don't understand what the logic is here. At some point, Steve, are we going to get a a full snap allotment for Rashi Rice? Is Justin Watson going to take over MVS's role as the true deep threat in that offense? Because he is. Every time that dude's on the field, he's making plays downfield. I don't, I don't know what they're doing. I'm, I'm ready to just write Sky more off though, and and make it a Tony Rice Watson pass attack with what with Kelsey. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I mean, I looked at it yesterday um, against single high coverage. Justin Watson's a dot is twenty five point six. Yo, so you would expect Mahomes when he sees single high to just throw the alert on every play. <laughs> Because that's yeah, the kind but, of arm talent he has. So yeah. that doesn't surprise me that Watson's eight out is 25. Yeah, hilarious. I, I saw that last night because Denver runs like 55% single high coverage. And I was like, okay, what does that look like? And I'm all I know is I'm going for Justin Watson to have like over 50 receiving yards this week. But that, that's I a mean, great call. But like Rasheed Rice, it's hilarious that they only his route percentage is like 28%. Yeah. It actually jumps to 35% when they're in the red zone, which is a little bit interesting. It shows that they kind of they trust him more in the red zone or they want him on the field a little bit more in the red zone. But when he's on the field, he has like a 22-ish target percentage. Yeah. And so clearly Mahomes values him and the he's offense value values him. really juicy too. It's like 3.6. Yeah. And it's, so it's like what – I've heard some, like I was reading on Twitter yesterday, I think it was from like Matt Harmon that – the knock, and I think you probably would know this too. The knock on him was his ability to win against man coverage, and so they like to kind of utilize him as more of a zone beater. But I just, it, you look at all the numbers. It's why aren't why aren't they elevating his route percentage even to fifty percent? Like take him up, double his route percentage, get him up a little bit over fifty percent, and see if he can make those plays more consistently and be more of a threat. Because, like you said, he's the one guy that is providing consistent juice when he's on the field. Yeah. The thing with the Rice beating man coverage stuff, it's kind of a – how do I say it nicely? It's sort of a novice take because in college, Steve, how how often are you seeing man coverage in college? Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right. Like the teams I mean, that are running man coverage are guys that have, you know, four first rounders in their back in their defensive and, backfield. They still Alabama doesn't even run a ton of man coverage. Like right. what are we talking about? So SMU, the, for the most part, in the conference they play in, they're seeing quarters across the board, which yep. Rice was one of the most productive deep threats in college football the last two seasons. Well, quarters isn't technically man coverage. If you're an outside receiver running a a, a vert against quarters. It's the, cor- the cornerbacks' rules are basically manned. It's some type yeah. of man match or mirror, and he won all the time. So I don't, I don't know. I think sometimes we get a little carried. Like I'm a huge data guy. Sometimes we get a little carried away with the data says without applying the co- necessary context. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I saw that take everywhere, and you know, yet I, I, 
struggled to find examples of where Rice was truly struggling to beat man coverage. So, anyways, I think they need to unleash the cat. Especially, most teams don't play. Is there even a team in the NFL playing 50% man coverage right now? I don't think there is. Um, The Giants were up there a little I, bit. I think they were in the 40s, though, weren't they? Yeah, but I it's... Still think I mean, every NFL team runs more zone than they do man. Even, even the heavy man teams. Yeah. So, anyways enough of that rant let's move on to the nfc steve let's start with the nfc east um the philadelphia eagles have a stranglehold once again on that division they are five and zero. granted they have not played a divisional game yet though is that true that's true right that is true no they played the commanders and they beat the commanders uh, two, two weeks ago sorry so um yeah so they're they've only played one divisional game most teams have only played one divisional game at most but yeah um, they're five and zero. The Dallas Cowboys, whoo, uh, good defense oh, on offense. Um, I don't know what they're doing on offense, and I hate to make this segment more about the Cowboys and the Eagles, but the Eagles are just—they're just kind of popping still. So, like, I don't see a chance the Cowboys catch them. To be honest, I don't think Dak has what it takes to get it done. He doesn't look comfortable to me. He's not willing to push the ball downfield. He's not willing to throw into tight windows. Um, when you look at premier quarterbacks in the NFL, the thing that separates them from the pack is, I think, twofold. It's throw for throw accuracy and the ability to make plays that go beyond what you're expected to do. Those big time throws, or we call them hero throws, the ability to make those throws is what separates the premier quarterbacks from the rest of the pack. Dak is not even close to the correct stratosphere on that. He's not um, even attempting him. He's not even attempting him. That's that's kind of what I was getting at. Um, when you watch the tape, you see a guy who just does not look comfortable. He doesn't trust his arm to fit it into tight windows. He's not throwing guys open like maybe he used to in his prime. It's concerning. And if I'm Brian Schottenheimer and I see what Tony Pollard's doing on the other side, which is not good either, Yeah, I feel like we got to start dropping Dak back more. The only pathway to success in the NFC is through San Francisco – through Philly, through Detroit, you're going to need to be able to throw the ball against those guys. You're not running the ball against any of those teams. Yeah. So you got to be able to throw the ball. They got to start dropping him back more, getting him comfortable, utilizing Michael Gallup, Brandon Cook, CeeDee Lamb, their their tight end ensemble they have, which is really nice. Get back to getting Tony Pollard in space. Um, he's clearly not made for this this heavy run approach, um, you know, from heavy personnel and and, and congested box counts and stuff like that so that's my big concern with dallas where you're at where are you at with that i'm right there with you and as much as i as much as i agree that they should be airing it out more you are seeing the sim- similar deficits that they've had in the last couple of years this year we thought that it might recover with gallup getting healthy bringing in brandon cooks continuing to have cd lamb but gallup isn't separating brandon cooks has been hardly a factor in the past game and CD lamb's the only guy that can get open and they don't target him as much as they should. So the pathway, I don't like, I don't know what the pathway out for them is. I think that they're just going to be a struggling offense unless they, unless they start experimenting with different wide receivers. I think that they're kind of stuck where they are, unfortunately, and they're going to beat up on the bad teams where their defense can exploit and, you know, really jump on teams, but the good teams where, you know, they're a good team's offense is going to be able to get opportunities against their defense. I just don't know if their offense can keep up with that because yeah. until they start targeting CD lamb at a 40% rate, 
a lot of these targets are not high quality targets to these guys because you just don't like Brandon Cooks is fine. I think he's finally showing his age. He had been doing so well in so many different situations, but I think you're finally seeing that, you know, it's turning a corner for him. Well, in the things he does well, Dak's not even really capitalizing right. on anyways. So, right. And yeah, Gallup, he looks like he lost a step. I mean, that injury clearly, he's, I don't think he's ever going to get fully back from it. It is, he is what he is now. And unfortunately, what he is is a okay contested catch guy who can't separate. Yeah, we're going to find out this week. Gallup is going to get Michael Davis. Yeah. Who's definitely gettable. He's allowing 0.5 fantasy points per coverage snap. So uh, we'll find out if Gallup has anything left this week for sure. Yeah. But one thing I do want to touch on that I've seen a little bit is can we just stop with the narrative around the Eagles that because I'm seeing it again this year, it's the same exact thing as we saw last year where people are talking about how they're not winning games by enough and they're not, they look discombobulated at times and they have holes and all of these things. I don't care. They're five and oh, they did this exact same stuff last year where it was like, well, you know, they're, you know, who have they played and they haven't really won by enough. It's like, I, that's just who they are. They win close. The NFL. You're not, yeah. you're not blowing teams you're, out every week. No one's doing They win that. close games. They have weapons everywhere. They can, exploit any matchup they want with any with any of their receivers at any time and they're just a good team so they're gonna keep rolling through i don't care how much they win by i don't care that sometimes it looks ugly that's who they are as a team and they're comfortable they're clearly comfortable with that so i think everybody just needs to understand that and be okay with it yeah um i do think their their offensive scheme is garbage i'll just say that um (laughs) But they have enough talent on offense where it kind of just doesn't matter right now. Yeah. So, um, we'll see. We'll see with the defense. The defense defensive line's insane. I think James Bradbury looks a little on the cook side of things. Yeah. Although he looks really good in the slot. That was intriguing to me. I think that might be a nice little end of career move for James Bradbury. But, yeah, I wish they would move him in there a little bit more often now. Yeah. Problem is, is they they don't want to trust Josh Job on the outside, which I understand. yeah. Yeah, I mean, Josh Joe once gave up a 70-yard touchdown to Traylon Burks, so you can't, um, you know, that's uh, not not great. All right, let's move on to the NFC North. And Steve, I don't want to do too much lines discussion because we they are the game of the week this week, Steve. So we're going to hit the lines pretty hard here in a minute. But when you look at this division, we honestly don't even really need to talk about it. It's four and one. Um, <laughs> it's really bad. The Lions have already beat the second-place team by a lot. They yep. blew them out. Chicago's terrible. Minnesota's terrible, and they just lost their best player. Uh, this is the Lions to lose at this point. Pedal, pedal yeah, to the floor. I mean, keep it going. That's it. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I mean, at this point, I'm. we'll see how it goes, but the Bears might end up finishing second in this division, honestly. If Jordan Love keeps making the mistakes he's made the last two weeks where, you know, the first couple weeks it was like, hey, he's making some big plays, and – He's making comebacks. You're starting to see that he doesn't have the greatest eyes these last two weeks. And I think if if Justin Fields can keep playing the way he played last week, doubtful. They might have, it's it is doubtful, but you know you never know. You got to give Bears fans a little bit of hope. And either, but yeah, the Lions are yeah. comfortably running away with this. And I just I don't see a world where 
barring injuries where that doesn't hold true for the rest of the year. Right. It almost, if you take a one game sample, it almost looks like love and field switch places. Yeah. I mean, the, some of the picks that love through the, the first and the last one were, Oh my God, they were bad. The first one was laughable. I mean, the first one was, it was funny. It was, it was so bad. It was funny. There were yeah. three different defenders, Steve, that could have picked that ball off. <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't like, Sometimes a young quarterback, you know, won't see a certain linebacker drop into a certain lane or, you know, he's coming from one side of the field to the other and you just, you're not aware of him. That may have been true for the guy who caught the ball, but it wasn't true for the two defenders behind him that were <laughs> right there to catch the ball if he wasn't there. So I don't, I don't know. Lo- love just, oh my gosh, the, it, it looks bad. It's, he's not processing the game fast. Everything's moving too quickly for him, I think. Yeah. So. All right, NFC South, we got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in first place. They've already had their bye week, though, Yeah, um, which might be good for them. They're 1-0 in the division. They have a a point differential of 16, which is not bad, but you, when you compare to other first-place teams, it's on the low side. Um, yep. This division, though, is as bad as we thought it would be. <laughs> Atlanta has no idea what they're doing. New Orleans is led by some guy named Derek Carr who clearly wasn't the same Derek Carr that was in, in Las Vegas slash Oakland. And then Carolina Panthers are a complete dumpster fire. So yeah, it's kind of crazy to think that Tampa Bay could actually hold on here and win this division when it's all said and done. And it, it honestly is really just because of their defense. I think, I mean, Baker, Baker's, playing, out of no, the Baker's yeah. playing great. I don't know. I don't know if I trust that it's going to hold through right. the entire season, but you know he's in a good situation where he doesn't necessarily have to be amazing because their defense is solid and it'll continue to be solid. And they get you know five more games against a division that all has their own issues. And so I just I gosh I don't even I would think I right now I would pick the Buccaneers to hold on, but that's even finishing with a record of like nine and eight, 10 and seven. Yeah. Um, Baker. He's not doing anything special. Like you said, they're not asking him to, he's taking what the defense has given him. He's not caving to pressure and he's letting the defense play their game. Like yep. pretty simple formula there. He's got really good playmakers at receiver with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. And then even the, the youngsters, uh, Trey Palmer and Tompkins, they've performed well when called on. Yeah, uh, It's kind of a, a fun little team they got going there, man. And they, they do have talent. Like this team was just a Super Bowl champion, what, two years ago? Most of the guys on that team, minus Tom Brady, are still there. So they kept the band together. We all criticized it in the offseason. Like, why why are they doing this? What, they, they re-signed everybody. They brought everyone back. They they were making moves as if they were still trying to compete. Yeah. When, when we sit back now and look at it, you're like, well, yeah, duh, it's because the division sucks. Why wouldn't you try to go for it? You know, like, And we're seeing it. We're seeing the, the fruits of that labor. So um, I think it's a fun story. So I like it. Yeah, Baker's not – I mean, the big thing is he's not trying to operate out of structure too much, which was always the thing that got him in trouble when he was in Cleveland. He's not, he's not doing that too often now. And it, it, a big factor of that is that he has two winning receivers – that he can target in Evans and Godwin that is how, I mean, I think that's helping him so much as having two guys that he can trust to win their routes. And when it, when it would usually come time for him to 
trying to escape the pocket and go and create something. It's now that he's just trusting that his receiver's there and he's throwing it. Yeah. Agreed. Um, all right. Anyone, the saints, the saints have a, a decent roster car looks. I don't know what's wrong with him. He either throws it deep or he checks it down. There's literally no in between right There's now. There's no in between. And which is really frustrating because Chris Olave and Michael Thomas are probably two of the better intermediate level receivers in the NFL. And there's no intermediate part of their game right now. Yeah. I'd argue there's not even a short part of their game. It's literally line of scrimmage or 40. <laughs> like there's yeah. There, there's really no in between. It's it's pretty insane. So I it's really frustrating to watch. They're like last week, Chris Olave had like two catches for four yards. Like what? Yeah. How that's is he not getting that guy the ball more? Sad. And you can't do that. And, you know, it's you're showing it. Like I expected uh, Olave's A dot to come down a little bit this year because of, for, he, for sure. because he was going to get more usage. It hasn't. It's, you know, it's still sitting up there at 17. And that's because. Really? Is it really? Yeah. It's still yeah. up there right around like 17.1. And it's just, that's not what you need from him. Like get, like you said, get him the ball in the intermediate a little bit more. Um, do you know, did you see Elvin Kamara's game log or his, his box score stats from his first game back two weeks ago? The one where he had like 14 catches for 75 yards or something like that. It was was 13 catches for 33 yards. (laughs) 2.5 2.5 yards a catch. I've never in my life seen anything like that. The previous high, like there was one other time in NFL history where a guy caught 13 passes and didn't break 100 yards, and he had more than twice the amount of yards Kamara did. <laughs> so this is a historically bad, weird performance. Uh, Kamara had multi, like four or five catches behind the line of scrimmage that were tackled behind the line of scrimmage. It was the weirdest game I've ever seen. But this is what we're dealing with here with this New Orleans offense. Like, like I said, it's line of scrimmage or forty yards downfield. There's like really any no in between, and it's it stinks because this is probably the best pass catching group Cars had. It's not the yeah. best line he's had, but it's the best line he's had in a minute for sure. Um, I know they're struggling to run the ball. Trevor Penning has been a, a nightmare at left tackle for them in the run game. But yeah. man, I I think we all had higher hopes for this offense. So. Yeah, you just thought that you'd see Derek Carr who would push the ball down the field more, which he is pushing the ball down the field, but he's not doing it in a productive way. Yep. Um, all right. Let's move on. The final his check, down, his check down rate is eighteen point seven percent. Where's that rank among among all quarterbacks, Steve? That would be third behind Justin third Fields. Highest. Yeah, third highest behind Justin Fields and Zach Wilson. Blah. That's so that's gross. Oh, my bad. God. That's gross. Oh, man. That's crazy. Um, all right. NFC West. So this this division is fun. I'm just going to say that right now. Even the last place team is worth watching, and I did not think that was going to be true this year. But yeah, um, we'll focus most of our time on the top. San Francisco 49ers are absolutely dominating. They have a 99-point point differential. <laughs> Which is crazy. So their average margin of victory is almost twenty points. That that's crazy. Is insane in the NFL in two thousand twenty three. That is a thing that doesn't happen, and that's happening. So, granted, they have not played anybody, no one, right? 
zilch. They've played no one. Like, literally, look at the QBs they played. It's I gotta pull it up now. My computer's taking a long time to load, but I I got it if you if you need it. Go go for it. Let it rip. Name They've the QBs. Week one, Kenny Pickett. Week two, Matthew Stafford. Week three, Daniel Jones. Week four, Josh Dobbs. And last week, last week was Dak Prescott. So they've played pumpkin, good core. I would say pretty good quarterback in Stafford. Pumpkin, weird situation with Josh Dobbs and pumpkin. So three pumpkins, a guy who should not be starting in the NFL, even though he's playing pretty well, and Matthew Stafford. And so, the one, the one game they played against a good quarterback, they only won by seven, and it was a pretty competitive game. There you go. Oh, and wait, that was the game. <laughs> that was the game the Rams kicked the field goal as time expired to cover. <laughs> yeah. So epic, yeah. epic from Sean McVay. <laughs> I absolutely freaking love that, dude. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I'm not saying they're not good. I'm just saying if if you're gonna criticize a team in the NFC for not having played anybody or whatever, like we did with the Eagles all of last year and some sometime this year, it's gotta be the 49ers gotta be getting the same criticism here. Yeah. I gotta see them play a team that's good. They have not played a good team yet. So Stafford is a good quarterback, but that team is not good. So right, and there's uh, there's some good quarterbacks coming down the line for them as the season progresses. So we'll see how they you know ma- how they match up against those guys. But I mean, even regardless of that, they look like a well-oiled machine. They do. Brock, Brock Purdy is operating the offense yeah. as he's operating it well. He's not I hate to say it, but he played really freaking good this week. Oh my yeah. god! He he. Oh man, I did not I did not see it coming. I thought eventually, yeah. old Brock Purdy would rear its ugly face. I tell the story every time I talk about Brock Purdy. But Steve, did you know that Brock Purdy once threw an interception that was caught fifteen yards behind the line of scrimmage? <laughs> Is this in college? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know how that's possible. Well, no one did until it happened. No one did. <laughs> Purdy literally scrambled from like the 40 to his own goal line. I mean, it, it, that's a that's an exaggeration, by the way. Don't don't fact check me on that. But it was something crazy like that. Like he was like yeah. 25 yards behind the line of scrimmage and then threw like a last minute check down and it got tackled for minus 15. Bro. Or no, it got picked. It got picked for. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean it's a it, it's a credit to the weapons that they have. It's a credit to the offense that they run. It's that you know they don't put too much on Brock Purdy's shoulders, and that's that's the benefits of having a Kyle Shanahan offense. Yes, but their defense looks crazy. Fred Warner is a monster. Their defensive line is good, and their secondary is solid. And it's going to be tough for teams to score against them. Yes. I'm thinking about the tweet where I'm sorry. Fred Warner is a monster, but did you see the tweet where somebody was like <laughs> like man, look at Fred Warner run stride for stride with who was the receiver? Uh, yeah, who was that? That was um gosh, the CD. The CD. Was it? I think and, so. And the and he had two steps on him. Bro, he cooked him. Warner <laughs> yeah. got I'm sorry. I, I love I love Warner. I think he's a fantastic player, but it was just funny how bad he got cooked. Yeah, it was like he's he's running stride for stride. He's like, I mean, yeah, stride for stride, two or three steps behind the guy. Yeah, Michael Michael Heck did that with uh, against Dallas Goddard. If we want to, if that's what if that's what we're comparing to. By the way, that tweet has been deleted. Yeah, that's not surprising. 
Oh man, you can't put that. So I was kind of se- secretly hoping that tweet was sarcasm. By the way, this show is called TikTok. We're allowed to talk about this. Uh, I was secretly hoping that tweet was sarcasm. And if I were if I were the gentleman that tweeted that bashfully, I would have uh, I would have definitely claimed it was sarcasm after the fact because I'm yeah. not. You put out a take that bad, you just have to own it and just be like, "Yo, I was being sarcastic. What are you guys talking yeah. about?" You know, like deflect, deflect. Yeah. Like deflect. you guys took that seriously. Yeah, I wasn't serious. Yeah, exactly. Problem is, I guess that guy's that kid guy, whatever he was, is a diehard uh, Lions fan or 49ers fan. I don't know why I said Lions just now. Uh, <laughs> diehard 49ers fan, and um, so he was being 100 percent serious. And now that tweet is deleted, and now he's reevaluating how to evaluate linebacker play. <laughs> he'll understand that there's never a situation and there's never a linebacker that matches up well with a slot receiver and that's just the that's just the nature of the nfl and it's okay it's okay fred warner's not meant to go stride for stride with cd lamb that's not what that's not what he's meant to make fred warner any less of a good player no it doesn't but also let's let's not try and elevate him to this incredible person that can go stride for stride with any receiver, especially one of the better, faster receivers in the NFL. Right. Um, let's spend like a minute on Seattle before we move on to the game of the week. Cause I wanted to get this thing done in under an hour and we're, we're up against it now, Steve Seattle Seahawks. They, this looks like a good team. Uh, defense is playing well. Offense is playing well. Offense could play better though. They, they've left the yep. beat on the phone. Run game's got to get going a little bit. DK Metcalf. It's weird how random his stat lines are. Yeah. With his skill set, I've said this to Scott Barrett, and Scott thinks it's hilarious, but there should never be a game he walks out of off the field where he has less than 90 yards. Watch the way teams play him, Steven. Tell me I'm wrong. Like, he never gets a corner pressing him. They're always eight yards off the ball. I would hitch them to death or quick slant or out until they play press and then you hit a go ball. It's free. It's free yards on every yeah. play when DK's out there. Yeah, I don't understand why why they're not doing this. So, yeah, they're. I mean, their run game is exactly what it was last year, where it's like either Kenneth Walker has a good run or he's stuffed at the line of scrimmage. There's no in between, and Pete Carroll's going to die, and also live a little, but mostly die by the run game. It's who he is. It's who he's always been. He's never going to change. It's funny because Pete Carroll's like 80 and you're talking about him dying. No, well <laughs> he's a young, he's a young 80, though. That may I mean he's he not actually 80. He's, he's 70 something, I think. He, but. he might I could see him living to 120. That man still looks youthful. But I just you'd love to see them open up the pass game more. They haven't even integrated JSN into the pass game really in any meaningful way. And yeah. just well, like, we knew that was going to happen, though. They play; they're a twelve personnel team. They're always going to do that. They're always going to do that. I know. I you know. Draft JSN for next year when Lockett's gone. Yeah, and but it's just that's the problem is if you can if you can hem in their run game, which a lot of teams can, and then if you can force Geno into a couple of mistakes, that's how you beat them. But overall, they're that's not to take away that they're still a good team. Geno can still rip it and. They're going to win a lot of games. They're not. I don't think they're going to win the division, but they're going to. Oh. They're, I, they're probably going to finish second, and I think they're going to be a playoff team, and they'll be a feisty oh, yeah. playoff team at that. They're definitely a playoff team. I don't want the Lions to see. That's for sure. Right. Yeah. Very, Lions could very well host them for a playoff game if the Lions hold on to that division. Yeah. 
Yikes. And, all right. Yeah. Speaking of the Lions, let's move on to the game of the week. Steve, we tried to avoid talking about the our hometown team here, the Detroit Lions, just because we're we get called biased and things of that nature. But when you look at the schedule this week, there's only two games where there's two teams with a winning record. And it's the Indianapolis Colts first the Jaguars or the Lions at the Buccaneers. So I figured we'd talk we'd do the game that has two first place teams battling it out. That just makes logical sense to me. Um it, the NFL officially is calling this game of the week. It got flexed yep. at the four twenty five slot. So you yep. can catch that on uh, that's gonna get the Romo call, right? Is is that gonna be Romo? Is it, yeah, or it's gonna be on Fox. So oh, so uh, Aikman and Buck. Is, no, it, yeah. it, it's probably gonna be yeah. well no, Fox is that they're not Fox anymore, aren't they? ESPN now, or do they do Fox oh, still? Oh, you're right. I don't so it'll it'll probably be yeah. it, I think they're I think the A team is Olsen. Olsen. Greg, okay. Greg Olson and moral of the story is Kevin Brett knows Bernard. nothing about announcing crews. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think I think it's I think it's Olson and Kevin Burkhart is like the A team okay. for uh Fox now. Olson does a good job. He's probably the yeah. he didn't play quarterback, but he has a lot of good quarterback y takes, pass game takes. So that should be fun. But tight end translates to post game or post right. career stuff very well. Tight end is one of the smartest players on the field, usually. Absolutely. Usually. Unless you're Kellen Winslow Jr., but that's a different story for a different day. <laughs> I'm a soldier. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Lions at Tampa Bay. The Lions have been super impressive. Their only real blemish is an overtime loss to another very good team in Seattle. Um, They beat the Chiefs. They beat the Packers. They actually, they've blown out their last two opponents in the Packers and the the Panthers. Packers and Panthers. They won the Falcons game very decidedly. I wouldn't call that a blowout. They only won by 10, but they were the front run of the whole game. You kind of knew they were the better team. It felt that like, felt that way the whole game. So yep. this is probably the first challenge that the Lions are going to get since the Seattle game. Um, yeah. I really like the – by the way, Jared Goff, Steve. We got to talk about my, my man Goff here for a second. If you didn't see it, he was the recipient of my week five game ball. And people are going to think that's weird because he was like 20 for 28 for like 200 yards and some scores. Yeah. Not, a, not an impressive stat line. But when you actually broke down the game and went throw for throw, I've been I've been doing this for 10 years, Steve. I haven't seen a performance as close to flawless as what Goff put on tape Sunday. Uh, he had eight incompletions, but only one of them was his fault. Where's my camera? One. One of those incompletions was his fault. Um, he had four drop passes two throwaways so that leaves two more incompletions one of them was a catchable ball to david montgomery that was slightly underthrown not a perfect ball but it was close coverage contested situation fell fell to the turf the other one was a was a clear overthrow by golf other than that everything was on the money he was making those hero throws we talk about steve where he was beating coverage with his arm, which that's been the that's been the jump for Goff from where he was good system quarterback last like early middle part of last year to now he's been on a tear for the last what fifteen games. Yes, he's, he's he's now making those throws again that you saw him make early, in his early career in L.A. Where it's like he's confident, he's slinging the rock, and the impressive thing is mechanically it's just it's teach tape, it's textbook, it's how you teach yeah. quarterbacks 
the footwork, the anticipation, the the timing, the rhythm, the consistent throwing mechanics, the occasional off-platform delivery when he needs to. And you wouldn't you wouldn't see Goff as a, a true off-platform kind of guy. But when it needs to get done off-platform, he'll do it off-platform, and he does it well. So everything's just coming together right now, and he did it without Amon Ross St. Brown. He's getting him back this week, probably getting Jameer Gibbs back. It's The whole thing just looks really nice right now on the offense, offensive side of the ball. Yeah, this, I mean, this ideally is the first week where we really get to see the full scope of the Lions' weapons. Jameson Williams returned back for his first game last week to, you know. An, eh, he looks good, by the way. and We can talk about that more in a second, but go ahead. Yeah, but the biggest thing with Goff is that, and, you know, coming out of college in the first couple of uh, – first couple years of his career it was a lot of that the mechanical stuff was really good it's why he became the number one pick but the questions were always you know centered around his arm strength and his ability to operate you know out of structure a little bit you know when he was with the rams once the play broke down that was where he turned the ball over that is the thing that he has changed immensely in the last 15 games is that he does not put the ball into harm's way a big part of that to Ben Johnson's credit, is the scheme that they're running. But there's there's a very clear, understood trust between Ben Johnson and Jared Goff on what they know that Goff can do, what he likes to see, and where he likes to go. He looks so confident. And, again, another big credit goes to their offensive line because he has a lot of clean pockets to throw from. But he isn't doing the thing that he did in, in Los Angeles, which was if he was facing pressure, or if he was, you know, if the play did break down, is that he'd kind of flail a ball off, it get picked off, panicky. and that was it. Yeah, it was very panicky. And I think that you're just really you're seeing him just come into his prime, and I think you're just seeing him become more confident as a as a quarterback, more confident in the play calls, more confident in who the guys he has around him. It's just it's all coming together for him, and it's really fun to watch because, like you said, it's. It is teach tape. It looks so good, so consistent. His drop back is – it just – it looks so confident every step of the way. And it really is fun to watch. And I don't think even the most optimistic Lions fans – I don't think a lot of people – and no. the most optimistic Lions fans, the most optimistic Jared, Jared Goff stands, not many people saw this being the person that he was going to develop into. I mean, we it was talked about all the, all the time when he came over to Detroit is that – Hey, listen, Jared Goff, he's a system quarterback. He is who he is. He's not going to make a ton of big throws, but he's going to, you know, he's going to operate within the system. But you're seeing him take that step. And I don't know how much of that is the confidence that is coming with working with an offensive coordinator that really trusts him. That that was a big thing in Los Angeles was that McVay did not trust Jared Goff a lot. But, man, he's it's just a pleasure to watch. And it's. You know, when you don't, when you can trust your quarterback not to turn the ball over, your offense is going to go. And that's the biggest thing is that they, they go on long drives. The run game looks great. And Jared Goff trusts his reads and isn't afraid to let it, uh, let it go deep to any, a litany of receivers. He trusts every single receiver in that group and you can see it. Yeah. It's true. And I really appreciate, I mean, for something to when you don't have a Mahomesian level talent and golf is not that no one's claiming that but when you don't have that guy but you have a good smooth he reminds me of Tua in a lot of ways actually there's some parallels there between him and Tua where there there are games where you're relying heavily on Ben Johnson to make it go and I think what's elevated both Tua and Goff now is they're they're taking the next step it's like 
we're still getting the like it seems like once a game ben johnson schemes up a 40 yard touchdown somehow some way it's yep. wide open golf doesn't, doesn't have to do anything other than just put it out there what literally once a game or a 41 yard like he had a, a kaylee freeman had a 40 yard carry the other day or against green bay that was just scheme a beautiful play design yeah and so you are still getting those, you know, those 40 yard, you know, splash plays, but now golf's taking it to the next level where it's like, I don't, I don't only need this to go. Um, and it's, it's, it's really cool. Everything's coming together. The offensive line's good. Pass catchers are good. Ben Johnson's amazing. Golf is making the most of what he has. And I, I do think I was one of the only guys on Lions Twitter who liked Jared Goff coming back in that trade with Matthew Stafford. I loved it. I was like perfect bridge quarterback. Now, even as optimistic as I was, I never thought we'd be talking about golf like we are right now. Um, I just saw my, my guys, Joe and Kyle Krabs, ranked golf in the top 10 best quarterbacks in the league. PFF has him as the highest graded quarterback in the NFL for not only this season, but the last 17 games, Steve. Yeah. The sample size is big now. Yeah. Uh, I, what's the dude who always has the terrible QB rankings? Well, he has golf in his top five now. Like is everybody that, is. Paying Rui, are you talking about Ruiz? No, no, not Ruiz. I don't mention his name. Um, <laughs> no, the he had a he, he played in the NFL, and so did his dad. What? It, oh, Sims, Chris Sims. Sims, Sims. I think has got him in the top five now. So it's just kind of crazy to see, like. The, everyone is respecting golf's game except i would say like the average nfl fan still thinks of golf as like ew you know <laughs> like, yeah yeah but golf playing at a high level and how that translates to this game specifically since we are talking about this game against tampa bay um i think that defense should challenge him and a lot of these things we're talking about the not panicking under pressure um how much he trusts those receivers because the coverage will be a little tighter than it's been the last few weeks with carlton davis and jamel dean and um Antoine Winfield, who's playing in the slot this year? Is it Winfield or do they got? It's, oh no, no, uh, it's, Christian Asian. Yeah, Christian Asian. Yeah, and he's he's looked good. He's looked like, very good. Looks like a really nice find for them actually. And then Levante David's really good in coverage. So the windows should be tighter. The pressure should be stronger, closer to what he saw in that Kansas City game. So I'm I'm curious to see, you know, if they just keep rolling or or what. I'm taking the lines in this game for sure. I I, I like the Tampa Bay story, but I don't think they're as good of a football team as the lines are right now. Yeah, in uh, Tampa Bay runs about forty four percent cover three, and Jared Goff's been ripping cover three this year. His whole career. That's, been, that's, the, that's, that's the one consistent through Goff's career is he destroys cover three, <laughs> and that's what he's going to see a lot of this week. So that benefits the Lions and benefits Jared Goff. Um, on the opposite side, I think to not to at least give some airtime to the Buccaneers. Yeah, uh, it, it all comes down to. You know, they're, this is probably the most pressure they're going to see this year. The way Aiden Hutchinson and Lee McNeil are starting to come along, this will probably be the most pressure that uh, Baker Mayfield is going to see this year. Can those receivers win against the secondary? A secondary that does have injuries, does have some breakdowns here and there. Can Mike Evans and Chris Godwin be available for, um, for Baker Mayfield? Because we've seen issues with Tampa Bay's run game. And the Lions are playing uh, actually historically great run defense right now. Yep. And so it's going to be a lot on Baker Mayfield's shoulders. Can he stand in and keep playing well when pressure is on him? And can his receivers win? I don't think it's going to be enough. I think you're going to see Baker Mayfield make, you know, at least probably one or two of his patented like 
oh my gosh, why would you throw at their throws? And I think it's I think it's going to be a close game. I really like this defense. I think that they're a pretty well-oiled machine. They remind me of, you know, what I've talked about with Cincinnati, where they're just a consistent unit. They've been together for so long that they just know and trust each other. And I think that's such a benefit to what they do. And so I think they're going to cause issues. But in the end, I think that making Baker Mayfield one-dimensional, making this offense one-dimensional is going to end up being the Achilles heel for the Buccaneers. And I literally took the words out of my mouth. I think that's exactly correct. The Tampa Bay Bucks cannot run the football and the Lions don't allow people to run the football. So you're going to see Baker Mayfield a lot of third and longs, and that's usually where you see the warts with Baker, um, and that's where this Lions defense shines. You're going to get Aiden Hutchinson against, I would say, a poor right tackle. I, I wonder if they wish that Tristan Wirth still played on the right side because <laughs> Hutch does – they move him all around, but most of his pass rush snaps come on that left side, that left defensive end spot. So I – I think it's going to be a big day for the for the Lions defense. Um, I think I think this game plays out similarly to the Eagles game for the Buccaneers. I think you're looking at like yeah. a thirty to 17, 28 seventeen Lions so victory. Easily then. Yeah, I think I think they'll keep it close in the first half. I think it'll be a competitive first half game, and then I think once the Buccaneers have to kind of abandon the run game and play from behind then I think that's when the Lions will start to pull away a little bit. Which is what you've seen the last three weeks, Atlanta, Green Bay, and Carolina. Like Once the Lions removed the run game from the equation, that, then that was pretty much game over from that point. So Yeah. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that's – I think it might be a little closer score-wise than that because I do think Tampa Bay's defense is good enough. I don't know that the Lions will drop a 30-bomb on them, but um, I do think the Lions will decisively win this game. I don't think it will be a question who the better team was. The only – factor steve that we're not considering that could be in play is it might be 85 degrees and humid on sunday um lines being a northern team i know we just left summer but it is cold up here right now 48 degrees today uh not great so that's only only thing you think of because they're just not used to it those players aren't used to the heat um they play indoors here and then they you know they haven't played in a hot weather game i don't think since opening night so this that could be a factor you could see guys cramping up or whatever but i'm sure I mean, Dan and his his uh, athletic staff are really, really good. I'm assuming they have a game plan for that and their, you know, hydration tactics, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, the guy I'm watching big time this week is uh, Cam Sutton. I'd be interested. I'm interested to see if he kind of travels with Mike Evans a little bit. Uh, I think that's a big matchup for him and for the Buccaneers, because if Cam Sutton can kind of hold that under check, then it's going to be a tough day for Tampa Bay. Yeah, I wonder. I do wonder what they'll do because Jacobs does better with physical, big physical guys typically. So I could see them, even though he's a smaller guy, by the way, I could see them putting Jacobs up on Evans as well. But um, yeah, it, it, the only reason I say that is that they had Sutton on Drake London for about eighty-two percent of his routes against Atlanta, and well, the profile, the <laughs> yeah, the profile matches up pretty well. So I'm, I think that you might see Sutton travel a little bit with. Uh, nice. Mike Evans this week. Right on. Well, we are both taking the Lions. I look forward to uh, to watching that game. It's going to be weird though, because 4 p.m. Steve. That's usually when things get really crazy I for know, us. That's our weird zone. Yep, that's weird. But, anyways, that's going to do it for us, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you're you're checking us out on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the bell. Get the notifications. Um, and then if you follow us as just a podcast, audio only. Follow us everywhere. 
don't just subscribe yeah. to Spotify. Subscribe on iTunes as well or Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called. So subscribe on Google, whatever whatever you need to do. Just make sure you're getting all the all the metrics in for us, all the analytics. We appreciate it. Um, Steve, anything? No, content. There's so much content on the site. Go check out the content. Like we have the amount of content we put out steve is crazy especially compared to last year yeah like, i think it's like tenfold it's it's wild we got stuff in front of the paywall if you're not a paid subscriber we got better stuff behind the paywall if you are a paid subscriber check it out that's gonna do it and we are out thanks for tuning in to this edition of the fantasy points podcast Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.